So hello and welcome to Dairy Matters, a podcast about Irish dairy farming, how it happens, why it's important to Ireland Inc. And of course, and most importantly, uh, the people who make it happen. Dairy is under the spotlight right now. Ireland's rush to climate neutrality by 2050 and the 25% emissions reduction target set for Irish agriculture by 2030 uh, is likely to have serious repercussions for what is in fact Ireland's national treasure. Talking numbers, dairy farming has been taking place here for 4,000 years. There are 17,500 family-run dairy farms. More than 60,000 people are employed by the industry, and it delivers 5 billion euro to the Irish economy every year. This podcast is brought to you by the National Dairy Council. I'm Jeremy Probert, and with me today is Nicholas Cooney, dairy farmer from Monaster Boyce in County Louth and National Dairy Council Farmer Ambassador. Nicholas, welcome. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm having a bit of a morning, but there we are. Can I start by asking you about your farm? Uh, where is it? How big is it? And how many cows have you got? So we are in a historic Monaster Boyce in County Louds, just north of Drogheda. And we are making about 500 cows here. Um, we calve all our cows in spring and they house for about three months of the year. And then the rest of the year they spend out eating grass and uh 80% of our milk is produced from grass as such. It's a very sustainable and f- environmentally friendly way of producing milk. That's fantastic. But of course, on a day like today, and we discussed it off air, it's raining, it's horrible. So you'll be bringing the cows in early, will you? Yeah, so we, we would let the cows out for three hours this morning. We let them eat some grass and then we'll bring them back into the shed, partly for the for to be nice to them and also to, to try and look after the ground as well. You know, we, we don't want to poach or muck up the ground that's growing the grass for us. So it's a combination of both kind of looking after the cow and looking after the land. Both have to be looked after for us to earn a living. So, yeah, you gotta, you, you got to put a little extra effort in on wet days, but it's worth it. Absolutely. There's this image of Ireland, it's wet all the time, but I guess it's not, is it really? No, it's not. And listen, you get wet days, yeah. Um, during the summer, you get wet days. Cows don't mind it. If it's warm, actually, cows don't mind rain. They don't mind They don't mind standing out in rain. If it's, it's only when it gets wet and cold, probably from November, really, from mid-October, November on, yeah, and and but as I said, you don't want you don't want to you don't want to put the cow under stress, and you don't want to harm the land, and, and that's what we're that's what we focus on. You know, you look after both of them, and they look after you. That's the balance of dairy farming in Ireland, isn't it? It's looking after the cows and also looking after the land. Yes, yeah. Um, so could be a silly question, but how did you get into farming? Something you always wanted to do? Is there farmer training that you undertook? Is it a family thing? Tell me a bit about it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, um, my, my dad was farming. We're, we're, we're third generation here on this particular farm. Um, I think we're seventh, I'm seventh generation in this area. It's not necessarily on this particular farm, but in the area, I'm seventh generation. And, yeah, it's it's uh, something I've always been interested in. Um, my dad was farming before me, and I, I've, yeah, as long as I can remember, I've loved farming. Um, never, never wanted to do anything else. So, yeah, I went to school, went to I college then, um, and, came, and came home farming then. I went and, went and did a work placement on, on all the farms for a while just to experience that, and then came back, and I've been, I've been kind of, you might say, farming at home full-time since I'm 18, so 19, so I've never entertained the idea of doing anything else, never wanted to do anything else, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy doing it. So it's, 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 it's in the blood, isn't it? And you've, you've got a young family as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, I've got I've got two boys and a girl. Um, 
And if they want to farm, absolutely, it'll be there for them if they want to do it. But that's their choice. I, I won't push them in either direction. If they want to do it, they can. If they don't, they don't. Um, you know, farming is you you have to love it because especially on a day like today, we go outside and you get soaked, soaked wet, and you're cold, and you can get miserable very quick. And if you if you don't love what you're doing on a day like today, it really tests you. So. You, you got you got to have a good love for the for the work as well and for the job. So, um, but yeah, if the kids want to do it, brilliant. If they don't, that's their choice. Actually, you, you remind me of a conversation I had with another dairy farmer down in County Waterford. Uh, he asked his daughter what she wanted to do, and she said um, she wanted to be when she grew up. She wanted to be a unicorn or a fairy. Uh, and his comment was, "You know, everyone's got different dreams, haven't they?" Really. <laughs> yeah. I've I've. Uh, an 11-year-old who, who at the minute, he wants to play for Leinster. That's, he wants to be a professional rugby player. Last year, he wanted to be a professional wrestler. So, um, And farming is kind of there and thereabouts in between, in between right, or a rugby player or a wrestler. So it just, it just depends what you happen to be watching beforehand. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But um, g- g- give me an idea. Um, what, what is a typical, if, you, if there is such a thing, what does a typical day look like for you? A typical day for me is, um, yeah, well, it's just, this is my preference, this is my choice there, I'm not, <laughs> it's not for everybody, but I, I get up around 4.30 in the morning, um, wow. I go out, I, I get, bring the cows in for milking, we get milking done, um, we're generally finished for 8 o'clock, half 8, um, you come back and you have breakfast, you have, you have to bring kids to school or something like that, you have your breakfast, um, then, it, it depends on the time of the year as well. Summertime is grand. You know, you, you're going out, you're just checking all the young stock and making sure they're all okay, making sure they're all happy and all healthy. And there's always little odd jobs, whether it be fencing or, or breeding season. Okay, you're busy at that. Um, but February and March, very busy time because you're, you're calving cows as well. Um, but your typical days, you milk, check your cattle, back in for lunch, Milk again in the afternoon, and we try and finish. We try to be gone out of here at quarter five, five o'clock in the evening. So it's um, it's it's no different than the nine to five. Okay, it's a little. The hours are a little longer, but you know, I'm not spending time sitting in the car to, uh, on a commute to work. So you know, it has its advantages as well. And what's the um, what what's your favourite job, and what's the one that you look at and go, Christ, I wish I didn't have to do that. <laughs> that's a tough question um <laughs> I, I don't really have a, a hate a, a job i really hate doing to be honest with you um what do i like there's nothing nicer on a sunny summer morning bringing the cows in from milking and looking up at the sky and this is my thing like we're, we're probably just under the flight path from dublin airport so every morning especially on a nice sunny day with clear skies you look up and you can see maybe 10 12 15 20 different um planes or you know jet lines in the sky and you're looking at them and i it's just if it's, if it's the weather's warm it's sunny that, that to me now is lovely you're, you're out in nature early in the morning there's no noise there's no well apart from the old plane but there's no um there's nobody disturbing you that's that's good to me now I, I really enjoy that that's that's perfect for me and you know i've had the pleasure of uh of walking part of your farm and it was a sunny day uh, and i came back sunburned and i have to say I couldn't have enjoyed myself more. Uh, so thank you for hosting me at that point in time. It was great. Um, so no we're, 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 we're talking a bit about sustainability as well. So, you know, it, it is all about currently about meeting climate targets. And this morning I read a piece 
in the Kilkenny Observer or Kilkenny Times uh, where they're doing a, uh, they've got a sustainability week on and somebody was talking about how agriculture is to blame for, you know, all the, all the world's woes and the rest of it. Um, but the, uh, seriously, there's a lot that dairy is doing to reduce environmental impacts and there's more still to be done. Can you tell me a bit about that? What's, what's your, what, what are your views on that? Yeah, farming has agriculture has 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 uh, things to do, and we and we we are and we will do them. Um, there's always room for improvement and everything. Um, I I would just say that you know, farming in Ireland is possibly an easy target, especially dairy farming or, or livestock farming, because we don't have any industry in Ireland like other like most other countries or especially other european countries that can offset some of their emissions or their emissions are coming from industry and that we don't in ireland as such so because of that the, the headline is always going to be farming but that's not an excuse at the same time you know and, and we are we we are like we, we we're starting to invest an awful lot more money now into into clover growing clover for grass to, to, with our grass to try and reduce the amount of nitrogen we were artificial nitrogen we're using and we're having to buy and you know and that itself is, is a massive that will that will be a massive uh help to the environment um breeding a sustainable cow and people say well, well what's that but it's, it's 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 all about like a cow who's who's doing her job basically who doesn't give trouble what i call the unknown cow in the herd the cow you the cow you don't know about is the cow that doesn't give trouble produces her milk goes back in calf doesn't get sick you know and, and she's doing she she's the perfect cow so that and she's what i would call a sustainable cow she's a cow that's going to last in your herd so we're trying to breed that and and, and that's all through the ebi as well that the economic breeding index and a portion of that now actually is going to be like we're going to have a carbon measure as part of your ebi index now as well so it's actually going to rate our cows on on carbon efficiency or, or on sustainability and environmentally sustainability and so that that's going to be a a, a a massive help so so between clover um breeding a good cow we have for the last four years we've been using what's called protected urea so basically it's 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 a urea form of, of nitrogen but it has a coating on it that reduces the the uh, ammonia emissions from the fertilizer so so it's it's a combination of all these things. You, you know, you're you're constantly trying to improve and and do better. But yeah, uh, we, we are we are going to improve. Um, the, but that's part. It's, it's it's like everybody in society. You know, we all have to play our part in and and being more environmentally friendly. Patrick, I mean, I I just want to touch on uh, one thing. That, that was the Environmental Protection Protection Agency uh, released a report on water quality. And unfortunately, it didn't make it didn't make well, it didn't. didn't I think it made slightly better reading than maybe the media would have presented it as. But it still talked about uh, runoff from uh, agricultural soils and nitrates in water. Um, but that's something that is being addressed, is it not, by the by the, the, the clover multi-species swords and by the use of uh, this this fertilizer, this protected urea fertilizer. Yes, and and also uh, um, uh, the slurry that we're applying, the slurry that's produced from cows, we're we're applying that now to call, what's called less technology. So basically, we're 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 trying to re reduce the amount of emissions 
when we're spreading the slurry itself. So we're trying to reduce the amount of emissions and also the timing of when we're, we're spreading slurry and, you know, when's the best time of the year to do it so as to, to minimise your losses from it. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's obviously, yeah, we, we, we do have to do more as regards water quality. I will also just uh, say that, you know, with a, with a slight caveat, you know, is, farming is still an easy target, especially livestock farming and dairy farming. It's still an easy target for for the any environmentalist to, to you know when there when there when when there's a problem, and I would also say you know uh, Ireland itself still has to look within itself. Like I know an awful lot of uh, uh, county councils around the country also have issues with with uh, what they're doing with their sewerage and that and town sewerages and uh, septic tanks all around the, the the country. You know they're also contributing to water quality as well. I'm not taking. I'm not saying the farming has nothing that we do. Of course, we 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 have to improve and get better. But it's like I said before. It's everybody in the country has to do the same, whether it's like the county councils or industry or farming. So we're all in this together. So we all have to make improvements. Yeah. Um, but I, I just just before you finish that, like I I, I I had this discussion with a fellow farmer very recently, and he turned around and he said, "Yes, but you know, okay, nitrogen. We we have to." do what we can to reduce nitrogen losses, especially get into water and that. But he said, you know, also remember, nitrogen feeds 40% of the world. So 40% of the food in the entire world is produced on the back of nitrogen. So to, to do away with nitrogen is not an answer either. It's, it's, we just have to get better at how we're using it and being more sustainable on how we use it. Yeah, no, you, it's a very good point that you make. It's about managing nitrogen, not about doing away with it. Yes, yeah, but uh, we are doing that, and and the message is is getting put across better and better every day to farmers. You know, we, we have to get better at it. We have to be more conscious of the environment. Any any time we're using nitrogen to grow grass, we have to be thinking like, is is there a chance it's going to rain in the next few days? Well, if it is, we better not spread this because we've got to minimise the losses. We've got to minimise the runoff. So. Yeah, it's 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 a combination of education, trying to educate all farmers, and um, just a bit of common sense as well. You know, trying to do the job right. I agree, and, and actually, in the last couple of weeks, we also should mention Ireland's leadership status in development of technology. So, two two things that I came across in the last week. One was there's a lady in Galway who is uh, studying soil moisture using satellite data. And that will enable farmers to know, is the soil full of moisture? Will that increase runoff if you spread fertilizer? And then the other, the other piece of tech was nitrate sensors, giving real time, day by day, how much nitrate is in the soil information, uh, which will therefore inform fertilizer spreading and stuff like that. So it's, it's I mean, it, it is, we, 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 we are absolutely and most definitely moving forward. You talked about, methane emissions the better cow you've talked about clover and less uh, and nitrogen management so that's nox emissions the, the the other one of the big three is carbon sequestration yes and as, as grass grows it, it, it's being sequestered we, every field in the country has a hedge around it has trees around it that are uh, sequestering carbon so that's not saying we shouldn't do more you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm probably as guilty as anyone, and, and it's something that we are addressing. We are trying to plant more trees on the farm. We're trying to do more hedges. 
we're trying we're trying to get better at maintaining hedges, letting them grow where where possibly we would have cut them in the past. Now we're not. You know, we're trying to let them grow on a little bit more, get a little bit more size in them, so that they are doing more uh, sequestering. So yeah, it's it's um, it's 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 just a combination of everything. You know, uh, if you can improve three percent across eight different areas, you know, all of a sudden you're at twenty four percent. You know, so we're hitting we're getting close to our targets of what we're supposed to be doing so it's just it's a trying to improve everything a little bit here and there and everywhere and and we will get there and you it was you who told me actually that uh per liter of milk ireland's dairy has probably got the lowest carbon footprint yeah so so uh, i know from our last board be a audit so Every dairy farm in the country is inspected every 18 months by Board Bia. And you're audited on, on, on a lot of different things on the farm. But as part of it now, you're given, a, they, they, they give you a figure on, on what carbon you're emitting to produce a litre of milk. So at our last audit, we were, t- we were told that we were 0. 0.72 of a kilo equivalent of carbon emitted per litre of milk produced. So to put that into context, uh, the world's average is around 2.7 or 2.8 kilos of carbon emitted from a high of 10 right down to 0.6 in, in Ireland and possibly in New Zealand as well. Um, they would be low as well. So, um, yeah, we, we are very, very efficient at producing milk in, in Ireland because of our our, our days at grass or because we're producing it um straight from grass rather than having to grow a crop and harvest that crop and bring it in and cows inside all year round now i'm not saying that's the wrong way of producing milk you know every, every country is different and every country has to work with the climate they have but it's just the climate we have in ireland suits milk production and it leaves us very environmentally friendly so yeah, it's 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 a good story to tell, you know, and especially when you hear of people saying, "Oh, we should cull the the national herd, or we need to reduce the national herd to, in order to be friendly." Well, I would say no. I'd say that's 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 a very wrong thing to say or to suggest because if we reduce in Ireland, the chances are it's not the chances this will happen in South America. Rainforests will be cut down to make way for more for more land to grow crops so they can increase their milk production over there or other parts of the world where they're not as um, sustainable in producing milk. So it's only going to make the problem worse, you know. And as I said to you before, Jared, this is a global issue. This is not a local issue. It's a global issue. The environment is it's a whole, it's something as, a, as, as a, the entire world has to encompass or has to be cognitive of. So why reduce the most sustainable producers in the world and have it produced somewhere else. You know, it's 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 the wrong way of going. So, you know, I, I will always go against that argument of reducing cow numbers in Ireland. I think again, you make yes another very valid point, which is that there does appear to be this focus on Ireland's got to meet Irish targets, implying that it doesn't really matter what the rest of the world does. As long as Ireland meets Ireland's targets, then we've succeeded. But of course, as you rightly say, it's a global issue. And if Ireland, <coughs> pardon me, if Ireland meets its targets, that means the production will go somewhere else, which may therefore increase globally uh, emissions. It is true to say, however, that the 
the size of the herd is increasing and that is increasing our emissions. So, and while I'm absolutely against the whole culling the herd piece, is there a role for herd stabilization? Are we talking about breeding, meaning the breeding index, meaning a more efficient cow? Yes, and, and I think as that improves, as breeding improves, that that will happen. So so b- between being being environmentally, you know, being conscious of the environment and breeding a better cow, it's naturally going to slow down the growth. And and it, there is suggestions that that the growth in the in the national herd is definitely slowing down and starting to stabilise a little bit. So. I, I think that that can counter the argument then of, of having to cull cows or get rid of cows. If we can breed a sustainable cow that's lasting longer and producing more, we won't need to have more cows. I think you're you're absolutely right. And um, th- th- those people who are introducing the narrative of culling the herd are—it's uh, a wonderful concept. I don't think anyone and anyone really understands what the reality of it actually is, and it will be far better to as you say, stabilise the herd over time through creating better animals uh, that last longer, are less prone to disease, are more fertile and produce uh, more milk. So the question really is that, and you've talked about the big three, methane, NOx, carbon sequestration. Are farmers in Ireland doing enough or do we need to pull together? Is there an education job? Do we need to do more? I think it's a combination of everything, Jeremy. In, in what you've just said, there's a combination of, yeah, pulling together and education. And I think that that has already started, though. You know, Chagas are putting in a big effort and in, in, in getting the message across on, you know, fertilizer use, on using clover, on breeding a more sustainable cow, using your EBI index and your breeding decisions using less technology when applying slurry, getting the timing right. You know, uh, that, that message is, is being pushed hard out there to farmers. And I think fa- farmers will embrace that. They always do. The one thing about farming, nothing ever stays the same. So, you know, it's a constantly changing and evolving industry. And, and this is just the next change and the next uh, thing we have to deal with. Um, and, and, you know, the history has showed anything is that farmers are very adaptable people you know we, we do have to move with the times and this is a demand now this is what consumers want they want a, a, an environmentally and sustainably produced milk so yes Irish dairy farmers are answering that call and we are doing that and we will do more as time goes on you only alluded to there technology is constantly evolving and getting better whether it be even just measuring the moisture of the soil and you know little so that's all going to feed in um, feed into the message going to the farmer, feed into decisions on, on, on when you apply fertiliser and when you do this or that. You know, it is improving all the time and will improve. And for people listening to this podcast, we often underestimate Ireland's role in the development of many things, but agricultural technology is one of them. The research institutes around the country, be it at Vista Milk or at Chagas, uh, the Tyndall Institute, the Walton Institute, they're all delivering stuff that is genuinely groundbreaking and will help with all the issues we're discussing today. Um, how important, Nicholas, is it for you to leave the farm uh, for the next generation of farmers? 
how important is, is it for you to leave a sort of legacy of a sustainable environmental farm and one that still has the ability in 20, 30 years' time to be producing milk and basically feeding the world? Um, yeah, it is important. As I said, as we talked about earlier, if, if, if some of my kids want to or all of them want to farm, that choice will be there for them and I will always encourage them and help them as best I can. But yeah, I look on the farm as a tool uh, that I inherited to make a living, to produce food, to make a living, to raise my family. And it would be very wrong of me if I didn't do my, do my best to improve it and leave it in a better place and a more sustainable place for if the next generation wants to come along so it'll be in a better place for them. But um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's important. It is important to give them that option or to, to, to give that choice to them and, and to hand it over in, in a better way than I got. But as I said, it's their choice. If they want to farm, if they want to be dairy farmers, maybe they might decide to do something, some other type of farming. That's their choice. I, I you know, that'll be for them to decide. But uh, yeah, I will do my best to leave it in a better way than I got for them. And if you could say one thing or two things to those people who may not know anything about dairy farming, but take their dairy produce out the chili cabinet every morning, drink their glass of milk, eat their yogurt, have their cheese on toast, whatever it is. What would be the one, one thing that you that you would say, what, what would be the one thing that you'd want the dairy consumer to know about what you do and what dairy is? Well, I, I think they should be very happy to know that the, 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 the food that they're eating is produced in a very sustainable and environmentally friendly way, um, possibly some of the best in the world. And so they should be very happy in knowing that the dairy products they're consuming are are produced in that way. And, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good message. It is. You are absolutely right. I, I have to say, people who listen to this podcast will realise that uh, you and I, Nicholas, have, pre have previous, and we've talked about this in the past. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, I have to say. It really is. And I, I, I really think that every time I talk about sustainability and environmental impacts of Irish dairy, the more convinced I am, particularly talking to people like you, that targets can be met, changes can be made, differences can be made, and we'll continue to enjoy our status as the most sustainably produced dairy in Europe, if not in the world. So Nicholas, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jeremy.